0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to Dream Reality New Earth Radio. Reminding you that the choice is yours. I'm Dr. Dream with my co-host, Ilya Nabatovsky, And now, on with the show. Welcome, everyone. I am Dr. Dream, and you are here at Dream Reality, New Earth Radio. And I believe that was my co-host, who is...
2: (laughs) Yes, brother, that was me, and I am Ilya Nabutovsky. It's great to be here with you again, Dr. Dream.
1: It is wonderful for us to be here together. Um, You know, Ilya, this is certainly one of the absolute highlights of my week, And, um, the way my weeks have been going with, um, all these amazing events and people and everything, um, it actually says a lot that this is one of the highlights. How, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic.
2: It was a beautiful day out. I went outside, you know, got some sun, went for a nice little walk. And, um, I want to be honest here. I had a little of a sore throat, um, this morning, but, you know, before I even started feeling, you know, the symptoms, I started drinking some tea with honey and lemon and ginger, had some vitamin C, and now I'm feeling better than ever.
1: Because you sound excellent, but then you generally always sound excellent.
2: (laughs) Thank you, brother. And speaking of sounding excellent, why don't you tell us with your beautiful voice what you did this past week
1: (laughs) (laughs) you're the master of the just the transitions in our conversations i really uh i just want to take this moment to honor you for that and yes uh one week ago you and i were here it has been um quite an exciting week since then uh as you as you know I am preparing for a move from um south of Los Angeles uh, from Orange County Newport Beach area up to Ventura which is north of Los Angeles and so uh I've got all that going on which um I don't know how any of uh, how you or any of our listeners feel about moving I do know how I feel about it and it's something that I'm um working to uh take to a higher level every time I think about Moving. Um, So that's one of the things that's been going on. But then last uh, this past weekend, we had Leaders Causing Leaders here in uh, here in Los Angeles in Marina Del Rey at the Marriott. And uh, you were with us last year at Leaders Causing Leaders.
2: That's right. And it was definitely a transformational event. And I know that you can attest to the fact that since that event, we have not been the same. All of the people that we met, all the experiences that we've had because of our attendance at the event have just been beyond imaginable.
1: You know, it's interesting that you say that. We did we did a galactivation last year at the event. Uh, we had 70 people in that galactivation. It was quite a healthy number, um, and it was during the dinner hour. So people gave up the dinner hour to come to our galactivation, and it was... It was impactful uh, based on all the feedback we got. This year, Leaders Causing Leaders went a little – they they swung the pendulum over to the um, sort of extreme business side, um, and I guess they weren't aware that Dr. Dream actually has that side, that facet, um Available also, but I, I didn't get booked to. We did. We didn't do a galactivation activation this year, but I did. Um, I was brought in to um, host a couple of the the panels and to MC um, uh, for one day in in one of the rooms, and it was a great experience. Mm. I will tell you the the two panels that I uh, MC'd. Uh, one was the film panel and the moderator was Mickey Willis our good friend a uh, dear brother from uh Elevate Films up in uh up in Ohio
2: Yeah we actually met him at the previous leaders causing leaders
1: Oh my gosh that's right I did not even I didn't <laughs> remember that that's exactly and and then 4 days later we were up at the Elevate estate in Ohio with Nassim Harriman and we did a galactivation um, up there for 11-11. You remember that?
2: Exactly. And just I want to mention real quick, speaking of 11-11, we are one month away from 11-11 because today is
1: 10-11. I love that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: so the film panel was, was really amazing. There was some great information. It was very powerful. And then I hosted the business panel um and i gotta tell you you know you i you know i don't watch the news and i don't read the newspaper i do stay up on events and everything um one of the things that came out of the business panel for me that i just want to mention is there is a heck of a lot of money right now available for entrepreneurs and you just have to know where to look and it was very, very impressive for me to hear what's going on. Afterwards, I connected with um, one of the panelists um, who is an author and a business and funding strategist, and they're having a Enlightened Entrepreneur Summit in Irvine, if you can believe it, um, here in a few weeks and um, I told her what I do with the Galactivations and then also with my more business-like conservative side, uh, the Breakthrough to Empowerment series and um, you won't believe this but she said we want you to do a Galactivation at our Enlightened Entrepreneur Summit. So kind of um, bringing that whole energy to to a whole new group of people and and it's really exciting um we also had some great experiences with um some other speakers uh guru singh and and dream rockwell and uh it was just overall um a really really powerful powerful experience there were more than 70 speakers eight panels. Um I mean this they 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 really do it right. So hats off to to Ken and um the whole team at Leaders Causing Leaders for um you know taking on something that's not so easy to do these days. We know that people are um we're seeing it all around that, that people are really kind of uh constricting um financially con- constricted financially. Um and to, to be out there putting on uh conferences and things like that um yeah i just know it's not an easy task to do based on um everything that's involved so um so i'm real pleased that uh that we got to to have this experience this past weekend now now what about you what's going on on the east coast uh well i actually attended uh
2: occupy wall street for the third time yesterday And it was an amazing day. I spent a whole day there and at about the evening time, maybe five or six o'clock, these Native Americans from some tribe in the area came down to Occupy Wall Street and actually started to do a ceremony. We all gathered up in a circle. There was maybe at least a hundred of us that were standing in a circle and holding space for this beautiful ceremony. And they called in the four directions. They were talking about how twenty twelve shift in consciousness, this is it, that we are fulfilling the prophecy. And then they started dancing. And I gotta say, this ceremony has probably went on for about at least three hours. And it was so amazing to just see Native Americans, you know, our elders coming together like this in on Wall Street. And doing these amazing, beautiful ceremonies and people holding space and supporting them wholeheartedly, it was amazing and beautiful.
1: Wow, I love it. Now, Ilya, I mean, you're, you've been there, you've been on the front line. Tell us, like, what is the energy? Obviously, yesterday with the, the Native American ceremonies, it sounds peaceful and, and very um, meditative and, and um, perhaps even loving. W- what else are you seeing down there?
2: Well, mm, That's a great question. There are a lot of mixed energies on Occupy Wall Street. Um, there are, of course, a lot of people that are sleeping there. They have mattresses, sleeping bags and other things. And, you know, some of the people there don't even know what's going on. They just they're just there because, well, you can sleep there and there's food. So some people are, you know, in that energy. Some people are very, very angry at what's going on and are very against uh, you know, the old ways, and are pushing against the system. And then, of course, there are some people which are promoting peace, and love, and unity, and are promoting a message that has to do with actually creating something new, and supporting a, a, the new paradigm. So there's a mixture of energies there for sure. But I do feel that a lot of the quote-unquote negative energies, such as people that are associated with anger and uh, fighting, I feel those energies are going to subside and we're definitely going to move into a more peaceful energy as a collective as this Occupy Wall Street movement and other movements um, continue on in its process.
1: Beautiful now, I told you that I have a tremendous amount of respect for people finding their voice and standing up for what they believe in um, on the other side of that, I also said you won 't find me down um at City Hall in Los Angeles at occupy l a because you know I found my voice years ago and and i 've been sharing it ever since then i 'm not i don 't need another outlet, but I will tell you that I got invited this weekend. To do a galactivation at Occupy LA, so as soon as the move is over, um, it looks like we'll be taking the Universal Love Galactivation experience um, to the, you know, and merging it with the Occupy experience. So uh, we'll we'll keep our uh, followers and listeners updated on that, and uh, we'll see where that goes.
2: Beautiful, brother, and. That's amazing that they're actually in the space that are holding their energy to invite Dr. Dream to do a Galactivation. Um, And speaking of Galactivations, you have one uh, private Galactivation coming up on Friday. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, and I'll be real brief because I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it again afterwards. But Friday here in Orange County at a very special space, we have a private Galactivation ceremony. Um, it's Friday from four to six um here in Orange County, very central location in Irvine. And um if any of our listeners are in this area and they would like to attend, I just need them to contact me through touroflove.com or drdream.com dot com or Facebook, uh whatever it is. It's going to be quite a beautiful beautiful experience. Now beautiful, brother. You know, you you know that I absolutely love Facebook. I love the leveraging of technology for us to be able to share our energies and have the impact for from my perspective the impact that I know I'm here to have. You know, that's that it, it Facebook and and the internet and and all the technologies sort of fit into to, to Uh, me achieving my mission here, which is to be a positive trigger for the collective of humanity. Um, Tonight's guest, um, I've been friends with on Facebook now for probably a year, year and a half, and so um, we haven't had direct contact, but I've been following this man, and I've been really impressed with his status updates. Okay, these aren't status updates like, "Oh, I'm going out to dinner," or "I just had some beers," or "I watched a football game." I mean, these are status updates from the heart. And so, um, right now, you know, I just we we've been talking that it's really important to get some some really heart-centered people on right now to assist us all with these energies. So tonight's guest is a former criminal lawyer and psychotherapist. He is also the author of Soul Shaping, A Journey of Self-Creation, recently published by North Atlantic Books. And, you know, the people that have come out in support of him, um, including authors Elizabeth Lesser and Ram Dass um, and others, it's just really impressive. And this Soul Shaping is is our guest's autobiography, and it is an inner travel log of his journey, from um, the male warrior to a more surrendered path. And uh, I just think that, um, you know, at this time of embracing the divine feminine and really getting in touch with the what the divine masculine truly means for us and creating balance, that our guest tonight is really the perfect one to, um, you know, share Share that, that energy with us and, and other energy with us. So it's my absolute pleasure to introduce Jeff Brown. Jeff,
0: are you with us? I'm here. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you, Dr. Dream. Well, we uh, are... I want to ask you, though, know, what is a collectivation? Yeah. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> well, Jeff, you haven't been following me on
1: Facebook. <laughs> no, I'm afraid
0: I haven't. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the in
1: the last 22 months, we've done 127 events in 87 cities around the world. And mm-hmm. a majority of those events have uh, been a universal love galactivation, which is a multiple modality journey into universal love. And what it really means is... Uh, We're working with up to 16 different tools and modalities, including um, essential oils, flower and gem essences, crystals, sound and vibration, gongs, bells, chimes, tuning forks, um, and a number of other different modalities to assist people into moving into a more expansive heart space. Beautiful. And it's been amazing. We've touched the lives of thousands and thousands of people in the last uh, 22 months and uh it's uh it it's a beautiful thing
0: beautiful so,
1: um what i am uh, what what i want to know from you is uh this this whole uh your your journey um of self creation and and you refer to it as soul shaping um tell us like you know you went from being a criminal lawyer and psychotherapist to you know, like, I guess this much more sort of awakened state. Um, So I'm I'm interested in how that kind of came about and, and, and to hear from you what soul shaping is.
0: Yeah, it just was clear to me pretty early on that there was a path encoded in me. You know, there was a famous criminal lawyer named Eddie Greenspan that as an adolescent, I used to see him on television, and he felt really familiar to me. You know, he just felt like I knew him or I was going to know him and and I used to say in my crazy family that I was going to work with him one day you know um and and there was just little pieces of information as I stepped along my path particularly in my uh early years that that there were certain stages that had to unfold for me to arrive at my own door and criminal law was very clearly the first one I had a lot of energetic charge around becoming a criminal lawyer and um, and ultimately, articled um, or apprenticed with him, Eddie. Um, after I finished law school at U of T, and and really lived that out with him. You know, we did a real high-profile murder trial here. Got was a, wrote the jury address, real cross-exams. I really lived it. I really embodied it. And at the end of it, I knew that it was it was time. You know, there was a battle developed what i call a truth ache or what a spiritual emergency was really clear that i now had to move in another direction that i had completed some kind of karmic sequence and and then i went to war with myself you know the part of me that was grounded and practical and came from a poor jewish home and was completely delighted to finally have an identity and have economic security of some form or other and and this other esoteric part of me that took the form of a of a part of me that I called Little Missy, this surrendered benevolent part that seemed to be moving me in some other direction, although never really clear. And, and so for whatever reason, I, as my journey unfolded, I listened to that voice and barely listened to it. It wasn't easy to listen to it, but... Um, and just was led in the direction of the next step in the journey, which was to study body-centered psychology. And I'd always loved reading Maslow. I always wanted to do a master's in humanistic psych. And, and so I went and did a degree at Saybrook and to, began to develop, uh, do body-centered work, trained under Alexander Lowen for a few years, that kind of stuff, in and bioenergetics. And, and I knew writing was next. It was always next. It was always the, the thing that I was, I, you know, I think I just needed more information so I would know what to write about. And And those experiences were part of that unfolding. And and then in 2001, the the writing soul shaping was absolutely the next step that I had to take in my own soul shaping journey. And so for what soul shaping is for me is just simply the idea that we come in at a particular developmental stage on a, a spiritual level, on a cellular level, and that we have particular soul scriptures, identifiable callings, archetypal transformations, key emotional lessons and clearings that we have to move through. Um, and that are the grist for the karmic mill for our expansion and and if we honor that, we grow um we have the peace that comes with growth, not always easy, but the sense that we are really walking our own path and no one else's, or we back off, walk away, distract, and avoid, and then always move through life, feeling a little bit annoyed because we know we didn't honor the path that we're here to walk yeah
1: so what what has how how smooth has this journey been for you since, let's say, two thousand one?
0: It's been a r- it's a rough journey. I mean, I, I've I've picked a hard path. You know, I run a, a grounded, practical business. I have to create space and time to write channel language, find the words. Making a film called Carmageddon takes all kinds of time that I don't have. So it's a hard path. But what's different about it now is that I never wake up in the morning feeling um, unsure as to why I'm here. I always have that buffer. I always have that um, sense of authentic path moving through me that keeps me passionate about moving forward, you know. Keeps my body going um, when it's particularly difficult. I'm not someone who believes that you follow your bliss and everything's hunky-dory and easy. And I just think you get um, uh, you get infused with light because you know what it is that you're here to do, even if your path is not particularly easy. Yeah, and my path is not particularly easy. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for any Any other path, but it's it's a hard path.
1: It's beautiful to hear you say that. I, I saw a poster this morning that said. Um it's not always easy but it's worth it. And and it resonated so deeply with me because you know like you I'm I I have a connection to why I'm here. Um yeah. and it, and it's a deep connection but um it 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 it's <laughs> how to how to say this the right way. I mean it's almost made things less easy than it used to be when I was ignorant somewhat ignorant
0: so yeah I, I, yeah absolutely i told i mean the temptations of simplicity or even of unconsciousness i mean the world is set up to support and advocate for unconsciousness self-destructive behavior is everywhere it's it's how we feel connected to the world around us, you know. When you want to live an authentic path, you know on many levels it's not going to be easy. It's going to be isolating sometimes, especially when you're crossing that bridge from inauthenticity to authenticity, before you find your soul pod, before you find the people that support the awakening journey, right? I mean, that's really, it's, it's a difficult thing. And I, you know, I do a lot of personal work, session work with people, and I really always come back to this grounded spirituality approach, which was, really that this is painstaking work. I mean, it really, I mean, you know, Rumi said, painstaking work, and then the swan spreads its wings. And it's true, and it's true that once you spread your wings, you're going to have to go back in to the school of heart knocks, and you're going to have to do more work, because that's the stage of the collective. That's where we are. You can't break too far away from it. You can have peak experiences, but you're going to have to come back to the hard work, you know. When you come back down into your body and deal with the emotional material that's held in the body, it keeps coming, you know. There's less of it. You work it out. You get more boundary and balanced and clarified, but you still got work to do. Yeah.
1: Nice. It's um Ilya, were you saying something?
2: Nope. Oh no, I, I was um just nope. Go ahead. Doctor mm-hmm. Dream. Gotcha.
1: Um now you refer to um the book, uh, or I read, I read something uh, as as I was doing my research um, about soul shaping, uh, that that it's a um, from soul to soul. Um, it, it, explain what that means a little bit.
0: Well, you know, I I really it was clear as I was writing this that my journey has been really about a, a grounded spirituality. I'm not a, I, I mean, I've explored various ways to f- try to find God outside of the body temple. Um, You know, I've meditated in the effort to disconnect from my emotional body. I've done a lot of different trips. And what it keeps coming back to for me is the belief that real sustainable spirituality is earth-centered. It's about feet on the earth starting with groundedness. Everything the bioenergetics people wrote about makes total sense to me. And that to the extent that I can ground on Mother Earth, you know, what I call enrealment or ascending with both feet on the ground in the book, um, my ascension is real. It's not a spiritual bypass. It's not jumping up and out of my body. It's not doing the BS bliss trip because... I want to find God there, but then when I get into real relationship, all my stuff is still waiting for me. It is really about finding God with our feet on the planet, in our daily activities, in the challenges of real life, and in the joys of real life. And so that when we actually have an ascended or inclusive experience of God, we're present on every chakra level rather than just moving from the most convenient places, which is very common to the New Age movement and the spiritual bypass movement, you know, where we talk about the power of now, but we don't talk about the power of then. And the unresolved emotional body, you can't be in the moment if you're completely unresolved and holding all kinds of unresolved trauma. It doesn't make any sense to me. So for me, it really is about coming back down to earth, you know, it's like sacred psychology. It's like linking the psychological and the spiritual realms, understanding that it's all spirituality. For me, spirituality just means reality. You know, the most spiritual experience is the one where I'm most connected to more realms of reality and more inclusive experience. And and that's what soul to soul is, that really the more rooted I am, the more. And it's it's very much the opposite of what we often hear, which is that spirituality lives outside of the body. And I've, I've had, just found the opposite. Yeah.
1: That's beautiful. Now <clears throat> I notice that um there's there's been like um creation of um sort of a whole new vocabulary out of your process of writing this book, is that correct?
0: Yeah, there's a soul shaping dictionary at the back of the book and on the um the website. Yeah. So
1: so talk to me about that.
0: You know, I was just—you know—when I was—I was writing. The process just took over for me. I have a a video on my soul shaping channel on YouTube called "Chaotic Magnificence of the Soul Shaping Journey." Because what happened to me is, I just. The, the more that I got lost in it, the more I surrendered to whatever this this channel or form of expression was. The more I found a groove inside of me where new language was waiting. You know, I started to write on my hands and I wrote on my yoga block and I would write everywhere and I wrote on the walls. That's what that video is about. Is I wrote all over the walls of the back room of the house that I owned at the time and um, and really new language just started to come. Like the term truth truth aches. You know, I had a truth ache. You know, it was just so clear to me that that's what it was and. And in and Sacred Grumbles and Cellular Phone, and there's all kinds of stuff. And some of it's kind of kitschy. You know, I got that from my grandfather, kitschiness. But but part of it is also really rooted in a model and – and I've been working and using this language on Facebook and in the SoulPod community for a long time, and a number of these terms are now used on a regular basis. And I'm starting a book, really writing about enrealment as an inclusive model of spirituality. Um, that is an outgrowth of that, and yeah, that's that's just what happened to me. You know, the words just started to it just uh, it's just was this really beautiful process of um, n- new creation. Yeah.
1: Now you said you do um quite a bit of one-on-one work with people is that correct? Yes. And tell me what what are you seeing in the last um you know, I don't know, 5 or 10 years that's that's different in what people are coming to you for and and talking to you about and what they're dealing
0: with. Well, you know, for a while it, like at the at the beginning of this this process because I had written there was a self-published version of the book in '07. and At the beginning, I found that um, people were more uh, moving from almost like law of attraction energy, looking for some kind of quick fix or some superficial idea of abundance or really buying into this idea that they just had to change their thinking and everything in their life would change. And, And now I think what's happening is we're earthing again. You know, this is really the time for grounded spirituality because those models didn't work. They worked to an extent. But you really, you know, the universe responds to authentic transformation. You really have to do the work, and you, you can't sidestep the work for too long. And and now I'm finding people are coming from a place of frustration with that and really wanting to bring it back to the psycho-emotional journey, you know, trying to find a way, and we still haven't really found the way, and I haven't completely found the way, to link that unresolved emotional material, that early primal stuff, the patterns and issues that arise from our childhoods and adolescence, adolescent years into something called spirituality, you know. What does it mean to find your calling, you know? Why do we think that a calling has to be some noisy, profound thing? Why can't we just have a call to work on our issues, you know? What, could, what transforms us more than moving and healing the emotional body, you know? My spiritual transformation always happened when I healed on an emotional level. When I look for it outside of my emotional body, I, I always came crashing back down to earth. It never worked for me, you know. I one of the terms in the dictionary is sell your soul, C E L L your soul, the idea that repressed emotions are unactualized spiritual lessons. For me that's really at the heart of my ground spirituality model. You know, it really is the belief that the emotional material is the karmic field where the soul's lessons are harvested and, and that's the work that I'm doing in session and I feel like there's a lot more open to this openness to that this now than there was two or three years ago.
1: I know in my own experience, the and obviously 127 events in the last 22 months. Uh, yeah. You know, I've been stirring up my own stuff to process right. and integrate. Uh, yeah. The last six months in a, a truly beautiful new relationship has brought up just about everything else <laughs> for me, and it's been. Uh, yeah most certainly challenging. Yep. I wouldn't want to dodge this or not go through it, but there are moments where um, it, yep. it's it's emotionally about as big as anything I could imagine working with inside myself.
0: Right. Yeah, like love un- uncovers everything un- unlike itself, right? I mean, that's that's the nature of real relationship. It all comes up, you know. It all comes up. That's the context. I mean, we're wounded in relationship. We have to heal in relationship, you know, and we can't really sidestep that, you know. That's that's the next step for awakening relationship is the willingness to understand the beauty of that, that it really is the grist for the soul mill, you know. But staying in it is a whole other story, right? Right.
1: I mean, in that i mean, made yeah. an absolute commitment to to stay in it because the easiest thing on one level to do would be to walk away and it's like now because if i don't deal with this now i'll deal with it again another time and then fortunately or however we look at it you know the person that that i'm with that i'm sharing this experience with is so present and so understanding and so connected to the divine feminine that that i know this is you know, it, it just feels all sort of like predestined or something, you know, to get a little bit out there as Dr. Mm-hmm. Dream does sometimes. But it's like, no, this this I've we've uh she and I have really called this forth and we're fully embracing it.
0: Beautiful. How wonderful. I mean I mean, you know, what a golden opportunity to actually transform on the deepest levels, you know? Yeah, and that's
1: yeah. that's what's happening. But again, it it's not easy, but it's
0: worth no. it. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean there's always pornography, right? I mean you can always, you know, I mean you, there's always the simple pornographic path, you know, you just say this is too freaking hard. I can't bear this anymore. I just want to do it vicariously. It's a whole lot easier, you know. But after a while it gets tiring, you know, because you're not growing. There's just no expansion. It's just repetitive and re- redundant and there's nothing happening in the deep within and so beautiful, good for you.
1: Well, there is, this, there is this aspect of I wasn't really ready to deal with all my stuff until now. And so I'm not judging myself or, or getting down on myself. It's like, nope, this, this is the time for me to do it. I'm, it's, it's showing up the way it is showing up right now. I must truly be ready.
0: Yep, yeah, that's exactly it.
2: Beautiful. I love uh, the conversation. And now I want to ask you, uh, Jeff, uh, you were talking about authenticity. And I'm wondering if you have a simple down-to-earth approach, you know, uh, for people in, in day-to-day lives. Uh, what kind of choices can they make in every moment so that their life can become more and more?
0: So their life can become more? What did you say? Authentic. Oh, got it. Authentic. Um, God, there's there's so many levels to it, um, you know. I mean, I. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think clearing emotional debris is very important. You know, I think the stuff, and I, I'm I'm going on about that for a reason. I, I just think it is important to get ourselves emotionally current. Um, to go back down the path and reclaim what has been lost and buried, and I think that's part of authenticity is clearing emotional debris. You know doing forgiveness practices and not even necessarily arriving at forgiveness, but going through the process of clearing out what you're holding in relation to memories and experiences. That's a big part of it. Another important part of it for me was always what I call solitude, you know, creating space in your individual life to develop and foster and nourish a connection uh, with your inner life. And, you know, in this distracted culture, in this unconscious media culture, in this overwhelmed culture, it is so very easy to never hear the voice from within of the the distant flute or the little voice that knows inside and i think you have to do that you know whether that's going into nature or dancing or doing it on a yoga mat or wherever it is um, you know I, i don't think i would have gotten to this place on the path i know that i wouldn't have if i hadn't had a regular solitude practice you know where I work through the, my barriers to being in my aloneness. You know, I, I learned, I mean, I was a conditioned male warrior. I really was just focused and tunneled, and it took a whole lot of work for me to be able to just lie on the couch and let my feelings emerge and get to know with who lived inside of me and learn how to befriend my confusion, live in the question. I hated the question. I just wanted the answer. I hated the question, you know. I hated all of those, like, spiritual aphorisms about the question is the journey. Like, all that stuff. I hated it, but I had to do it, you know. And I think that's what you have to do. You have to develop a really clarified relationship with your inner voice. You know, learn to talk to yourself. You know, do mirror work. Look at yourself in the mirror. See who lives inside of you. You know, I used to literally stand in the mirror and put on particular faces and um, expressions and actual postures that reflected my different aspects because I was really trying to work real hard to figure out what the authentic face looked like. Who was I really? What part was the adapted self, and what part was the authentic self? And you got to do that kind of work. You really do.
1: Now, Jeff, let me ask you: Is is this type of work, so to speak, is this type of processing and integrating, is it really for everybody, for the entire collective of humanity at this time? And the reason I ask this is, um, yep. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Guru Singh. Um, it's a, a, a teacher that, uh, that I uh, hosted in one of the rooms at Leaders Causing Leaders this weekend, and he sort of had this equation, um, and I don't have my, I'm looking around for my notes, I don't have my notes in front of me, but um, basically, you know, what he was saying is that um, of the entire population, 7 billion people, one out of every 30 people is a teacher is is here to play that role um and he had you know all these percentages and equations of 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 how it's happening within the collective so that just sort of leads me into this question is this type of intensive inner work really for everyone or available i know it's available for everyone but do you know what i'm asking
0: well, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if it's available for everyone. I mean, you know, uh, some circumstances in people's lives certainly prevent them from, you know, this is a luxury that many cannot afford on all kinds of different levels. I mean, do I believe that everybody has the potential or the possibility to live a more awakened or conscious life in the world as it ought to be? Absolutely. Do I think that every soul came in in this incarnation to do the kind of work that I did in my 20s and 30s? I don't think so. I mean, more of them would have been doing it. You know, I wouldn't have been so isolated. I mean, part of it is linked to the stage of the collective unconscious. You know, I felt in many ways at that time as though I was stepping out a little bit past beyond um, the collective that I was inside of, in in the culture that I was in, in Toronto, in the legal community, in the Jewish community, all of that. And, And now I see people are stepping more into it and so I don't know how to answer that. You know, I mean, stages are souls are at different stages of awakening. I certainly think that we're all here to grow through some kind of a journey, and to expand and get wiser in our consciousness. But I don't know that everybody's ready to take on the tigers. You know, I mean, that's a whole other trip. Right now, yeah.
1: <clears throat> we're we're barraged with um, all of this information. Uh, about the Mayan calendar and everybody's interpretation of 2012 and uh, the planetary alignments and the, all the prophecies, how does your work fit into that, or or does it fit into that?
0: Yeah, I don't I don't really buy any of that. Um, I, I see a lot of it as as just um, marketing mechanisms, and I don't believe 2012. I just don't believe that i mean there are definitely peak experiences culturally and individually there are definitely key moments moments of nexus i get all that but i don't think 2012 is going to be much different than 2011 i think cultures and individuals move in increments like wrench inchworms you know i really think sustainable change requires that you can have this like fantastic awakening you still got to integrate that and you know, if we're going to shift, I mean, we're crossing this bridge from survivalism as an orienting principle to an authenticity as an orienting principle. People used to define themselves and still often define themselves by whatever it is that gets food on the table. And now we're moving in the direction of defining ourselves through a broader lens right something to do with who we really are or what path is encoded in us or what is our purpose on this planet this is one step forward there are many more steps to come after that and but just to cross that bridge alone takes hundreds of years to really cross that bridge you know i don't know that 2012 is i don't just don't believe it's going to be anything particularly remarkable when in 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 regards to the human transformation path yeah i think it's just a lot of a lot of talk the most part.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate your perspective for sure. Now, bringing all of this into um, the timeliness of, of what's happening right now with the whole Occupy movement, um, yep. You know, what's your perspective on, on what's happening with all of that?
0: Well, I think it's part of the shift from survivalism. For me, survivalism was a structure where anything goes. I mean it really was all about just staying alive. And you know, um the the unhealthy ego was attached to that, eventually gets had, the paternalistic model gets attached to that. All of that gets is an outgrowth of that. And um and we are crossing. We have made this lovely little crossing where we're now some part of the culture is now demanding something more than just unconscionable capitalism. We want conscientious capitalism. We want heart centered entrepreneurialism. We want that, and because you know whatever happened, whatever our ancestors have done on a foundational level to make us feel at least safe enough to now recognize that we can move to the next step on the actualization journey and begin to weave these more subtle and heartfelt considerations into reality and to me that's what part of that is about there's a whole other part of what that's about, which is about agenda and about i mean it you know it's there's always that but I think the most beautiful part of it is really about uh, that we're beginning to demand uh, something more awakened in the way that we're dealt with and the way that systems are structured and the way that governments operate. I mean, I think their biggest mistake is not focusing on the unconscious media, who I'm absolutely convinced is the biggest troublemaker of all. And you know that if anything should be occupied it's um unconscious media institutions who continually stoke the survivalism and fear button because the root chakra stuff is so close to the surface of human consciousness by keeping us anxious nervous and negative so that we're gripped to their news um, casts and their advertising revenue streams stay solid and to me that is really the place to target and focus. Even on a government level, it should be monitored and uh, controlled because I think that I think what happened in oh eight really was about was not about something called recession. It really was about digging the knife into the root chakra so that people are absolutely terrified again. You know? Yeah. Hmm.
1: Now <clears throat> Wow, you know, I have all these questions that go through my mind, and then you say something like what you just said, and everything just flew out of my head.
0: And <laughs> well, I I'm interested, Doctor Dream. Like, you know, what? Wh- how do you see the what's happening, for example, in Wall Street? I mean, what's your perspective on that? Well, there's, I,
1: <clears throat> good question, Jeff. Um, I I honor the people that are. <laughs> are stepping up and, and my feeling is that um, it's reached a boiling point for a lot of people because they have been so distracted um, by you know whatever vices um, and media and, and everything else that's out there to distract us and now they see an opportunity to give themselves a voice. Um, yeah. It's not the process that I would choose i 'm um, not i 'm not about protesting um, you know one side of me thinks that if all these people that are out there occupying all these cities and everything else, if they were to stop and really turn within themselves and clear out the stuff that needs to be cleared out within themselves, mm-hmm. that would have a huge impact on changing the world and I believe. It would have and people will probably just attack me for this or whatever. I believe it'll have a it would have a greater impact than going out there and protesting. That and and that but that's what I've been about. I've been about the inner work. If there's something outside of me that's that's getting me, I I I use that as a message that it's time to turn in inside myself and and come to terms, um, find balance and alignment within myself. Um, all that being said, um, I am quite enthusiastic about the, uh, like Ilya was saying, about the, the peaceful um, actions that are happening out there. You know, I, I watched a video um, a couple of weeks ago, and it was a video from here in Los Angeles. And uh, and my friends were being interviewed and and but I was hearing the chanting that they were doing and literally I had a physical reaction in my body and I said I can't go out there I can't be in that energy I can't be saying these things that that's not what I'm about um, and that was a couple of weeks ago and I said okay you know everyone everyone has a role to play we're all unique and as we begin to identify what that role is, I support people in moving into whatever their role is. But, but my, my distinct uh, feeling was uh, that there was no role for me in the Occupy movement other than just supporting my brothers and sisters in doing what they believe is right. Now, as I'm hearing about more meditation, as I'm hearing about uh, more uh, heart-centered groundedness, and then we've been invited out to do some things here in Los Angeles I'm like you know what maybe maybe there is a role for me in all of this mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's complicated you know I mean I, I really I'm, I'm not um, I, I'm not always a pacifist I mean I believe in, in activism and I believe in uh, fighting against corrupt systems and I you know I have a little bit of a cowboy male warrior in me still and I I I do believe meditations are fantastic, but I think sometimes we just got to stand up and fight against what's wrong in the world, you know. I'm just not sure who's controlling that and who's motivating that, and I'm not sure that this particular form of activism is really going to make a whole lot of difference, you know. I mean, I, I think constructive activism is important, and finding a way to actually change it, you know, like, for example, changing your consumer patterns, you know, you know, practicing the art of conscious consumerism, what a wonderful thing. Stop buying the stupid things that they're making money from. You know? Stop buying things at inflated prices. Stop buying into the materialism system. Just We can all make that decision. And and it's not like businesses will all end. They'll just start getting oriented in the direction of conscientious capitalism because they won't make money. It's all about money. If you stop paying attention to the media, if you stop clicking on their news, negative news stuff – they will notice the clicks have gone down and they will move in the direction of whatever's going to make the money money's not the enemy it's just the nature of the exchange that's the problem sometimes and so i think if we just force conscientious capitalism on them by not participating in the purchasing of unconscionable practices it'll change i mean that's how it changes
1: i was reading something today um someone was suggesting, you know, take your money out of the banks and, and find your local credit unions and support them. And I started thinking, you know, one of the things that really bothers me in the news is after the bailout, um, a year or so afterwards, you hear about, you know, fourth quarter profit in the billions for, you know, J.P. Morgan or, or whoever. And, and that really got to me, and I started thinking today, well, maybe I should look at Wells Fargo. Maybe I should take my banking business to something that's more community based and more um in alignment with with who I am and so yeah. it just goes along with with what you were just saying. Now,
0: yeah, I, I, right. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead.
1: I wanted to ask you. I was I was raised Jewish in Omaha, Nebraska. Um yep. and uh, there weren't a lot of Jews in Omaha. Um yep. and and very reform. <laughs> Um, and I I I I honor that as part of my background. I was bar mitzvahed and went through confirmation and and all of this. I honor that as part of the the fabric of of who I am. Although I don't consider myself Jewish, I consider myself a spiritual being. What what do you consider yourself, and 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 from your Jewish background to your process of awakening and, and understanding and everything, where are you at uh, with it now?
0: You know, I was really. Um, I mean, you know, my father was Irish, half Jewish, half Irish. My mother was he converted to marry my my mother, and but I grew up in really in a Jewish home. I mean, I didn't know any of his family, and there were hundreds of Jewish relatives in my world, and. I, I, I did what a lot of Jews did, you know, who suffered in, in all the carryover neurosis and pain from Jewish experience. I fled my his, my culture. You know, I I dated non-Jews. I, I did everything I could to avoid it. Um, and then at some point I felt isolated from it. I really felt like it was really deep in my bones. And I started to weave Jewish connectiveness back into my life, you know. And so it's been a complicated journey for me, but what's so interesting is is as I write about grounded spirituality, I don't read anything in Jewish history. Um, Many Jews keep telling me that what I'm saying is exactly what's in the Torah, that it really is fundamental to Jewish thought. This grounded embodied spirituality and heartened spirituality is all about Jewishness, and I'm still not ready to go and do the readings to fully embrace it, but... Um, So I don't know. I think I have a little bit of a confused relationship with it, a resistance to it. um, And at the same time, um, I feel like it's just so absolutely deep in my bones. You know, like when I watch anything about World War II and Nazism, I'm absolutely irate and insane. I stormed out of Schindler's List. I mean, you know, whether that's a past life carryover or just being rooted in Jewish culture, I don't know. But it's... um, you know, I I I I know a number of people who fled it and have changed their names and have really really the suffering was so deep that the only way to get away from it was to attempt to alter who they were and in every case, everyone I know who's done that, the the stuff is all over their lives. I mean, you it's in the it's in the cells of your being. So I think at some point you have to turn back towards it and confront it. Yeah.
1: This is this is really fascinating for me because um uh one of the in my uh book that I'm working on now uh, the chapter about mentors um I talk about uh, the use of um uh, different plant teachers and medicines um yeah. and uh I had a particularly powerful experience uh, years ago um in the uh early nineties. Um I guess it was about eighteen years ago. And um I was there with other beings and getting this full download um and and I had a holdout. And and every you know they were just showing me how everything made sense and the divine perfection in, in all that is and having been raised Jewish having gone to the Soviet Union um, when I was um, I don't know 12 years old and meeting with refuseniks and, and all of this and, and holocaust literature at Arizona State University all of this I mean I really built up this this anger and, and resentment and everything uh, about the Holocaust and, and what had happened to the Jews. And and so in this really wild experience with these, these other beings, um, I'm saying to them, no, 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 I understand what you're saying, but no, it's not all good, because look at the Holocaust. Yeah. And in that moment, they showed me the divine perfection in that. I did not come back able to express it, but I came back from that experience totally at peace with Hitler and the Holocaust and all of it. It, it shifted something really big for me. I, um, it, it opened up a heart space and, and cleared out an energy that, that, that I guess was it, it was not meant for me to hold on to. So just, hearing you um, speak of this, brought it up. I wouldn't normally share this story um, on a recording, uh, (laughs) but I just did. So, Um, Ilya, I know you have a question for Jeff.
2: Yeah, uh, you guys were beautifully talking about religion and how it plays such an important part on everybody's lives. And I just wanted to get Jeff's opinion on what your view is in terms of religion and how do you see religion evolving as we move forward in our evolution do you see it dissipating or um, how do you see it uh going
0: yeah i i i think i do see it moving uh with some really violent resistance in the direction of a of a more of a, a spirituality that's broad-based and inclusive and almost cherry picks pulls the wisdom out of various cultures i think that really is what's happening and you know, religion was so often an indoctrination method. It was le- yet another system that was in place to contain the wildebeest, you know, to contain the wild human. And and I think we're moving in the direction where we're not going to be need to be controlled and contained. We're just going to be moving and emanating from the heart outward. And so we can come to God from that place rather than from the fearful place that was engendered by those structures. And Yeah.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think no, it's, it's interesting. I think it will
0: fade. Mm.
2: yeah um I just wanted to mention real quick earlier on, you said that this whole transformation twenty twelve you don't really buy it, and you see that transformation usually occurs in increments and you know may take a hundred years or whatever. but it's interesting to me that there are a lot of people that are talking about the stuff that we're talking about, and people are waking up every single day and I feel that if we can talk about this and we can imagine things like this manifest into our reality do you think it really will take that long to manifest in the physical world?
0: I do I, I, I think that they can have all the imaginings they want but that there's no substitute for the hard work and it's the work that changes things. And, you you know, structural, collective, cultural change is a long-term process. You know, survivalism, this vibration of survivalism is so deep in our bones. And to reach a stage where we don't have anxiety, where the media can't trigger us, where we aren't frightened and motivated by fear to make certain life decisions and path decisions that are not true to path, are not honoring of purpose, We are so... I mean, you know, these to me are little bursts. They're like little cosmic bursts of possibility, like little lights ahead on the path that show us the direction that we want to walk, but to get from the world as it is to the world as it ought to be, really, in a way that's really true for day-to-day people. um, We're talking hundreds of years. uh, and, And I don't feel pessimistic when I say that. I don't feel cynical. I... I just feel re- what I believe to be quite realistic about it. You know, if I just even look at myself, and I've done a fair amount of work to awaken myself, and, you know, I still feel like I'm about 6% of the way to wholeness or something, if we could put it to numbers. I mean, really, you know, I rotate. I go back and forth between 3 or 4% and maybe 6 or 7 And, you know, I've had glimpses in love relationship and breath work of, you know, an inclusive consciousness that is so right on and true but so far removed from the vibration of my waking consciousness in this world at this time, at this stage, that, um, you know, I, I think it's just like selling people a karmic bill of goods. I mean, it's very like the secret. It's very, like, noisy, and it's very pumped up positive, and it's like a Nike ad or something. But, you know, I just don't, you know, I've done a lot of session work with people, and it's all wonderful for a while until they crash again, and I just think we've got to get in there. We've got to work on all these levels. We've got to hold a vision of possibility, and we could have to at the same time come back down to Earth and do the painstaking work to transform on a cellular level. You know, I just really believe that. And so 2012, I mean, I don't know prophecy. I mean, I, clearly we're sh- there's a shift point, but, you know, there's been a lot of shift points, and I think there's going to be a lot more shift points before we're done.
1: Now Jeff, I wanted um uh to ask this um, this question. We've we're hearing a lot about the divine feminine. Yeah. Um, God bless the- her. <laughs> all of her. Um all of them. Yeah. And so we're one of the things uh you talk about the male warrior. And and I know this is an area you've done a lot of work with. So I, I just ask you to speak to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I th- you know, I think what's happening is, and it's, it is it is linked for me to this shift from survivalism because survivalism means you put on armor, you do anything you have to to get through the day, you know, and I I have a lot of that in my bones. I came from no money and whatever my karmic history is on top of that, and it's deep in me. It's deep in the male um, arc. It's deep deep in the male orientation, you know to move in that direction and something shifting it's almost like some permission is being granted developmentally for us to start to contemplate the idea of what it feels like to live with an open heart right you know and to be honoring you know and i wrote a piece that went viral about a year ago called apologies to the divine feminine um, which was a from a warrior in transition um and you know really it was i think if i had put that out two years before it wouldn't have gone the way that it went it was just the right moment for that piece and and it moved because I think there was there's some openness and some readiness for us to begin to understand and embrace the beauty of the feminine you know I was resistant to it I thought women were just crazy They all they wanted to do was fuse with me all they wanted to do was like connect all they wanted to do was soul gaze and I really just wanted pleasure and then I wanted to get out of there you know that's all I understood you know And as I grew and had a a profound love experience that broke my heart in bits, I began to get a new understanding, which was that, in fact, they were courageous, courageous beings that were actually moving us, attempting to move us men, before we were ready, in the direction of something that was a healthier and more complete and inclusive consciousness. You know, the brilliance and the courage of the feminine and... I think we're just beginning as men to start understanding that. And I think we're able to do that because over a long period of time, foundations and structures have changed and moved in the direction where we can take our armor off more readily and begin to embrace the life of the open heart, which is really, I think, where life is. Yeah. I mean, enlightenment is not a head trip. It's a heart trip, right? (laughs) I love that. That's perfect.
1: And so this process of your own shifting your male warrior energy, again, hasn't been easy, I'm sure, right?
0: No, it was really hard. I mean, I I really love that energy. You know, i like I'm born to that feistiness and that directness and that focus. And, you know, as I was writing Soul Shaping for a while, I was under the delusion that I had like somehow separated out from that, that... You know, that I, the warrior wasn't here. I was moving from my surrendered self. I was honoring purpose and, of course, ridiculous. I mean, you can't bring this kind of work into the world without a warrior. You can't write a hard book like that um, and break through your resistance to writing and take your voice seriously unless you've got some feisty part of you. And so it really is about finding the, the balance. I didn't have the balance in my 20s. I was just an edgy guy, right? I was the guy you wanted to be your lawyer when you got charged with murder you know i was that guy and really in order to get away from that guy i had to go soft i had to really work on you know peeling armor and getting endless body work and crying and raging and releasing and really exploring that just to find some kind of balance and and now i feel like they're both happening at the same time i have my warrior when i need him it's like conscious armoring um but i but i don't let him rule the roost and i don't let him make my decisions as to path you know it's like that but it's it's been it was the hardest journey in the world i wanted to just kick ass in a courtroom for the rest of my life you know i really did part part of me really did
1: now jeff you've got to be pretty unique in your community how how does your community you mentioned the jewish community uh, the legal community and the community in general where you reside how, how are you reacted
0: to well, it's shifting now because I'm getting sort of my work's getting public presence. And, you know, my people really love love success in whatever form it comes in, right? <laughs> so it's like in the in-between phase, I was in trouble. It was like I was going to be the next great criminal lawyer. And what the hell was I now lying on my couch trying to feel things? I mean, this is not, you know, well-supported in my Jewish community. but um, But, you know, at the same time, I had my grandparents you know, were we're really primarily like my primary caregivers and really didn't care as long as I was moving in the direction they thought I'd find satisfaction. So I had had some of that and I had some discouraging comments along the way. But, you know, I was really, um, really driven. You know, it was like this path burned inside of me so bright and didn't make a whole lot of difference. I mean, there were times when it discouraged me, but they couldn't stop me. You just couldn't stop me. And and now it's cool, you know, because I'm doing this stuff and I'm making this film and and it ends up looking, and it doesn't mean it really is that, but it ends up looking really like um, like I crossed the bridge, you know, and, and I crossed the bridge. And, you know, the only difficulty is that the lawyer who I article for has had some difficulty staying connected to me, and that's always been a bit of a problem because he just can't, he really is truly a, a brilliant warrior being and really can't relate to this esoteric path. but. You know, we know as part of expanding our soul pod, we we lose people along the way. It's just part of the process.
1: Do you have family still in uh, with you and around? Are you, are your grandparents still yeah. here?
0: No, they're no, they're both gone. Um right. in fact, I started a Facebook group called International Year of the Woman that was really an honoring of, of my grandmother and uh I, I do my nieces in my life I have re- other relatives in my life and and now I have this fantastic soul pod of support on Facebook and beyond that really feels like you know my idea of family keeps expanding and shedding and shifting and you know and I there are like spirited others now you know when I was doing this work honestly in my 20s I felt completely isolated and I was a lone wolf warrior so it wasn't like a big deal in a way but It really, as I look back on it, I really didn't have anybody to talk to. You know, I was feeling things like these paths coming through me, and it was like, who talked like that? I mean, I didn't know anyone who talked like that. Even my therapist didn't talk like that. They weren't integrating spirituality. And, you know, now... Uh, you know, so if we had had Facebook twenty or thirty years ago, no, I don't think anybody would have had any idea what I was talking about. And now it's fascinating to see the energy that moves around those statuses, which reflect these ideas. You know, clearly we are shifting in the direction, some kind of awakening that these concepts are not that remote anymore. You know, something's happening. It's really, really quite something.
1: So. Um, going back to your apology to the divine feminine, is that what it was called? I'm just, uh, um, yep. yep. okay. What, uh, I mean, that really, really went all over the place. And, and you, you, yeah. I mean, that's just my limited view of it. What I was watching at that time, what changed for you when you put that out there?
0: Well, it was like, I, I learned something about, um, you know you sort of be careful what you wish for like it 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 because a lot of uh requests for contact radio and others otherwise came through that and it was quite an overwhelming process you know it really i mean so i learned to be careful and a little bit more um, in the future, a little bit more selective around timing. So, like, if I'm going to put out something that I think may land in a certain way, I mean, you never know, but that might make sure that I have space in my life to accommodate it. I didn't have a lot of space to accommodate it. I was waiting for my house to be built. I was living in temporary accommodation. It was a very ungrounded time, and so it was quite overwhelming. But, but I think what's happened, apart from getting a lot more support and a fan page growing, all of that, um, is that people – you know i I had a lot of issues uh or not a lot of issues. I had some issues. there's a lot of projection and transference that comes up in social media when you get public presence. You know you're not a human being anymore, you're a face and I mean we're all experiencing that even on the most basic levels, but I had a lot of weird uh negative projection stuff um and a lot of that stopped happening. It was almost like I was being held with in a more respected way. I don't know what it was and some of the objectification stuff that was happening um stopped happening and i think it solidified something in the way that people related to me and in a way the way that i related to them i i think it helped me to take myself more seriously um as a creator on the path um yeah so the energy it's shifted and i i like what's happening a whole lot more now it feels much more rooted and um you know, a lot more respectful and I uh, it's it, it made a difference, I think, in that direction. Yeah.
1: Now just to help me with context of you and everything, how how old are you now?
0: Forty nine. I just turned forty nine. Yeah. Oh,
1: okay. I turn forty God, what do I turn? Forty seven next week. Right. So oh, happy birthday. Certain, thank you very much.
0: Yeah.
1: Um <clears throat> Okay, so you mentioned the film. Uh, t- tell us a little bit about the film and and yep. what this means to you and, and your involvement in it.
0: Yeah, I started to make a film about, I think, five or six years ago. I've become a real masochist with doing long projects. And <laughs> we thought the film would be done in about eight weeks, and just like I thought the book would be done in eight weeks. Um, and it re- it's really a book about my connection to, experiences with, and the teachings of a guy named Bhagavan Das, who... Became famous um, when in Ram Dass's book, Be Here Now. He was the guy that took Ram Dass to the feet of Neem Kurli Baba, and he really came back when he came back to America a number of years later. Was now already famous because he was um, honored in this book. He was described as the one who knew, him. and and then he, you know, had this extraordinary journey throughout his life. Many challenges, drug trip, and and uh, woman chasing, and and chanting, and and, and salesmanship, and and he had just landed in my house. We became friends, and we just start, started to shoot a movie. And uh, the movie's almost done. We've submitted to our first festival. We're just going through a few edit tweaks and all the rest of it. But it's um it's a pretty cool movie. Ram Dass is in it, and Sean Korn's in it, and David Prumell and Mittan, and Waugh, and Robert Gass, and David Life, and really brilliant people with really brilliant spins on spirituality and... Uh, yeah, it's called Carmageddon. So it it should ar- arrive in festivals. I'm hoping uh, in do the circuit in 2012.
1: So, what's your intention with this film?
0: You know, it's just to um, open up and uh, the lines of inquiry. You know, to continue to deepen that. You know, I learned a lot through this. I, This movie was like my book it was really like in many ways this was for me to learn more about background spirituality learn more about my own challenges learn more about other ways of understanding reality and so I want to bring all of that you know to the world and and I and I want to invite dialogue you know there's a lot of places in this movie stuff that comes through Bhagavan Das's mouth his own teachings various experiences the interviews with other people there is so much fertility in this movie uh, just in terms of dialogue and understanding, just various ways of connecting in with reality, and yeah, I want to continue to support. That's my work, you know. I mean, that's that's my purpose. That's that's what I, you know. If I don't do it, I can't sleep. So I get up and I do it, and <laughs> and Carmageddon is is really part of that. Yeah.
1: So what brings you the the greatest experience of of bliss? in your life right now
0: those very few moments when i have an opportunity to to really get a whole day in and actually do some writing i mean that really is for me my path of purpose it's uh, at this moment in time that is where i find my way into my center and that's where i move outward to unity from is in the writing itself not the you know the tokenistic stuff and not the but really when i'm able to really find the language that's that's my portal that's absolutely my portal
1: i love it i love it now the other side of that question is for you right now what is your greatest challenge
0: Uh, Relationship is probably right now my greatest challenge. Um, Not unlike what you were describing. I find it very difficult with so much... uh, My energy is so um, affixed to actualizing purpose right now. You know, I have... The movie, I have three other books on the go. i got so much happening, and and it's all good, but it's very, very difficult for me to... um, It's like I'm in this relationship with the Divine Mother that is like all-embracing and often annoying, Um, and it's very difficult in personal connection, not just in terms of intimate, intimate connection, but even on a friendship level to be attuned and contactful and present with so much going on. That's my greatest challenge right now.
1: And how how because I'm now fascinated with this how how are you working with that if I can ask?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm I, I the only I mean it it cuts in two directions for me one in one direction is consciously trying to create more of a balance again you know just kind of like clearing through the stuff that it's almost like there's a like a a, a list of this this books inside of me and I need to keep pulling it out. And it's like almost like driving along a highway and pulling off of an exit. I got to keep going off the exit, doing what I have to do, getting back on the highway. And so I'm trying to move through some of the things um, so that I can create a more a balanced reality. You know, I was working on all three books at once. Absolutely insane. <laughs> it's fine if you don't have to work i mean i run a business it's fine if you're in a cabin somewhere and all you do is go back and forth between you get a little bored you go to the other book it's not a problem but i can't do that in my reality so now i'm like working on one piece i'm finishing the audio co- podcast for soul shaping university this week then i'm working on the quotes book i'm writing a qu- quotes book of my status that i'm going to dedicate to the facebook soul pod that's the next book Q and A. a i've got it like that and so that's that's a big part of it. And part of it is also just surrendering to reality. You know, I was getting so frustrated because I was feeling like, you know, it was like I was resisting the truth. And the truth was that this is the moment in my life when I have to honor my purpose in this way. I mean, this is really true for me. You know, honoring my calling is my best defense against sleeplessness. So I do it. I have to do it. And... <laughs> And I was feeling somehow as though there was something. It was like I was pathologizing it, like there was something wrong with it, like I should be able to have hold everything together. I should be able to have a perfect relationship, run a perfect business. And it was ridiculous. You know, this is a moment when I really need to honor this. And so it's also just about surrendering to that at the same time as I'm trying to create a healthier balance.
1: I really like that. I mean, that's one of the things for me in my own life Is is, I mean, you just – spoke to my heart um about about creating balance i mean that's that's appears to be my biggest lesson at this time is is how to do that and most days there's a part of me that's feeling like i'm not quite doing it um as well as i could be but um i'm certainly doing it better than i ever have done it so um i i sort of honor myself in that part of the process
0: yeah yeah but I, mean, I think it depends on the nature of your purpose. I mean mine has this sometimes a bit of an urgent quality to it, and I think part of that is just my impatience and part of it is my excitement and part of it it has an urgent- it has an urgent quality to it. you know it really wants to happen it it I really understand the way the world works that when these doors open when this portal opens, you could jump in i I have lived and grown up in environments where the opportunity was not happening when you have it and it, it's available to you, you walk through the door you know it not very few people have an opportunity to walk through that door at this stage of human development. Very few few people will wake up in the morning in their lifetime knowing exactly why they're here and what their purpose is. It's it's becoming something we're moving more towards. More people are embracing it, but it's it's not a common experience. And, you know, I carry forward the energy of the ancestry. I mean, I really understand that when my Zeta gave me that level of love, he was trying to create an opportunity for me, something he couldn't have in his own life, and something he wanted, he wanted me to move to the next level, that's how it works, you know, so my urgency partially comes from the desire, you know, at the end of writing Soul shaping, I felt like they were all around me in the room. You know, it's not like I saw them in the room. I just felt them. You know, I really felt like they were, my Zeta was on my left shoulder, my grandmother was on the right, my Auntie Tilly was in the chair. You know, and they were saying, go for it. Take it to the next level. Move beyond survivalism as your orienting principle. You know, do something beautiful in this world. You know, help lots of people. You know, and I feel that all the time. I feel them burning through me all the time, and so I do it both because doing it brings me into being, but also I feel as though I'm helping to carry the ancestry forward.
1: Well, that's that's beautiful. Um, so I have a question, a little bit um, out in left field, I guess. Um, are there other beings in the universe, Jeff?
0: Wow. <laughs> well, you've got to figure, you, you, Dr. Dream, you got to figure there are. I mean, it would just seem so narcissistic to imagine that we're all it, right? I mean, it, that just doesn't make any sense to me at all. But I've had no literal sightings to this point in my life.
1: And, you know, we're, there's there's all this talk about disclosure happening sometime soon, whatever soon is, and, and that um, extraterrestrials have been... Um, either assisting or not assisting uh, humanity for, for years and years. How, how do you feel about all this?
0: I don't know much about it. So so how, how have the extraterrestrials been assisting humanity?
1: Well, I mean, <clears throat> I've just really opened myself up to this in the last couple of years. It was something that I filtered out for a majority of my life. Um, and so it's just sort of a new process for me. Ilya, can you jump in here because you're at this moment you have become our resident uh expert. I I'd love for you to chime in right now.
2: Sure, I'd love to. Uh this is not something that can be explained in just a few minutes, but I will say that there are beings out there who love us very much and there are beings out there who want to uh you know, do malevolent things, but I feel like those beings that aren't they aren't here for our highest good are in the very very minority and i feel like this whole game that we're playing this whole game of earth um because this is all a play and we're all characters in it and i feel like there is um a system of management and you can see them as highly adva- highly advanced extraterrestrial beings that I feel, in my view, have been taking care of us for a very, very long time. And an analogy that I could use is very simply how, if you can imagine Earth and everyone in it uh, playing in the sandbox and all these beings that are essentially on a higher dimension, on a higher level of awareness, they are outside of the sandbox, kind of like our parents guiding us and leading us and giving us, you know, (laughs) hints and tips and kind of, you know, ushering us forward without interference. Um, But I do feel in my heart that they are here and they have been um, for a very, very long time guiding us. And I feel that most of them truly do love us very, very much. So that's my general view on that.
0: (laughs) Cool. I mean, I think I'm. You know, I mean, I call it the universal broadcasting system in soul shaping. Like, I really I tap into it to an extent. And but I think I'm just my path is such an earthworker path. It's like just like let's just get it right down here. Let's just you know, I never even contemplate that. But I'm I'm open to encountering one of these extraterrestrial beings. My next stop at like Dunkin' Donuts or something like that. I, I think that, I think that would be like a fantastic. A fa- I think I may have dated a few. I think it'd be like a fantastic dialogue would ensue, you know. Well, yeah. well have you, yeah. I, 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 Have you have you met any? <laughs> well, I'm not gonna say no. <laughs> you have. You've met them. And, and and were they in, were they engendered form? Like were they hot? I mean, what did they look like? What did they?
2: <gasps> um. <laughs>
0: it, it How did you know? Okay. Do uh, you see them all? Lot of, do you meet them often?
2: Uh, <laughs> a lot of the times it's in the dream plane and in on other dimensions. And it, it really depends. There are so many different types of races. Just like there are many different types of people on Earth, there are just so many types of beings that... I mean, I'm going to say that most of them do look human. Uh, I feel that the human form is the, uh, the standard uh, form of most beings in our universe and most beings that I've encountered did have a human form. I mean, you know, some of them had a little bit different features than us, but for the most part, they look just like us. And we are actually, um, you know, we have their genes and, uh, you can go and research this and, uh, find this information. But I, I truly believe that we as humans in this time, uh, right now have, um, uh, a lot of extraterrestrial genes and, um, you know, so again, most of them that I've encountered do look mostly like like we do on here on this planet.
0: So, but just to so understand, you're talking about dreamscapes, but have you encountered them in 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 daily form, like out in the world, not in a dreamscape, not on a drug trip, not on a meditation trip, but actually just wandering about in your daily life?
2: Um, the most that I have encountered in my daily life would be yeah. an extraterrestrial soul that has embodied a human form that was born on this planet. Um, but I have not encountered an actual okay. physical face-to-face that was born somewhere
0: else. You're talking about like a walk-in or something, what they call a walk-in. Exactly, yeah. Okay, cool. And you knew, and you knew it was true because you just felt it on a resonance level.
2: Well, yeah, and aside from that, um, they they just had all this wisdom, and I could feel their energy and their love, and it was... It was not
0: earthly. Not to disrespect the um, what's happening on Wall Street. Wall Street. Is there any way of getting any stock tips from these individuals? <laughs> they are very much
2: on the non-interfering path. Yeah, and that's what they, I was. I was afraid you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, they're all about uh, assisting us, but not getting in our way. We have yeah, to. They're not going to get us rich. Home. Right. Exactly. Got it. Got it.
1: I love this, and Jeff, I love your your sense of humor. Now um, we're we're getting near the the close of our broadcast. I'd like to give you um, a few minutes to just share, not based on any question, um, yeah. but just to share from your heart. This um, this broadcast will be archived for. Ever. Um, and so just what is it that's being called forth from you to, to share with all of us uh, in this moment?
0: Yeah, I think really, you know, when it comes down to it for me, it, it is really to empower individuals to believe that their birth is no accident, that they're not accidental tourists you know we carry so much shame forward in the collective and so much doubt about our worth and our value and you know we all carry that to various degrees and i mean if my work and if my message is anything it's to empower people to liberate them from the unhealthy ego not the healthy ego but the unhealthy ego and really to do the work to really do the work to excavate sacred purpose living inside of them and um, and then to do whatever they can in their lives. And not everyone's circumstances make it very easy to do these things, but to do at least a little something every day to move in the direction of actualizing that purpose. And Because I, I just somehow imagine a world that is infused with purpose, that everyone getting up in the morning really, really having a clarified idea of what they're here to learn and what they're here to express and how they're here to connect and to help um, is is the world that we're working so hard to create on so many different levels. So yeah, just to just to do the work, to live a more truly purposeful life, and and not uh, not a conceptually purposeful life, but one that really is originating from um, our embodied experience, that it lives in our soul bones. Our being gets excited when we actually open the portal and honor it, and our physical form discourages and depresses and runs out of steam when we don't. And to really bring it back into the body and to find it in the body and to move outward from the heart, and and that's the path.
1: Lovely. Beautifully stated. Thank you for that. Um, Now, just um, give us uh, connection points for you. How do people find you? How do they find more information? Connect.
0: Uh, Soulshaping.com is the easiest way. I I have a a lovely supporter fan page on Facebook, and uh, I can also subscribe to my personal page now, so that's same kind of thing i often do different status on personal than fan page um, there's an open heart gang fan page on facebook there's two groups internationally year of the woman and uh, soul shaping book group uh, i think both over three thousand people supporting my work there and uh, i'm also on twitter and soon in a few weeks we'll have my first course for soul shaping university which will be on a downloadable uh, six-week audio podcast on uh, excavating honoring sacred purpose will be available as well so Lots of places to connect to the soul Pod.
1: Well, Jeff, I honor you for the the great work that you're doing for all of us. Um, you are having a tremendous impact. Um, I uh, you know we go out of our way to find people to bring on our broadcast that have inspired us and whose passion has touched us. and you are so on that list. For me, and so um it's it's just been great to to have you as a guest tonight um thank you so much uh for joining us and and for for doing what you're doing for all of us
0: thank you thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate that. Yeah.
1: Now, we've got uh, just a couple of things coming up that um, I'd like to uh, mention. Um, We have this Friday, um, October the 14th, in um, Irvine, an opportunity uh, to uh, receive a private invitation to a Galactivation event that we're doing. Um, it'll probably be not a lot of people, but um, if you're listening to this broadcast and it's before October 14th, and you can make your way to um, south of Los Angeles to Orange County to to Irvine, uh, you know, please contact me at uh, touroflove.com or on Facebook, and we'll get you all the information. Also, then on October 22nd and 23rd in Ojai, California, uh, we are uh, bringing Ecotopia, uh, uh, a two day camping event with yoga and meditation. There'll be several galactivation experiences, music. And just an incredible opportunity for um, the tribe, our community, to come together here in Southern California. So please uh, look for more information on Ecotopia. And um, then on 11-11, the Alchemy event. Uh, Here in Los Angeles, Um, it's on the 11th, 12th, and 13th, and uh, we'll be doing uh, galactivation uh, there also, and I will be speaking uh, separately outside of the galactivation at that event. So we've got some great things going on, and uh, Ilya, thank you so much for being here, and uh, thank you for being our uh, resident uh, ET expert that, that came in more than handy this evening
2: it's my pleasure dr dream and i just want to let people know that um before we can really you know go to the stars we really have to do the work here on earth and really ground our energies uh here so thank you again dr dream for holding space and thank you jeff for being with us tonight
0: perfect
1: thank you to our listeners for showing up and supporting us and um Go forth in the next week with with all the love that is in the core of your being and share it with everyone you come into contact with. Thank you all. We'll be back with a very special guest next week. Take care, everyone,
2: and good night.